Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. podcast episode my my area code 254 uh i think ray redacted would say that's bad opsec oh yeah yeah now i let people know i'm in a certain part of the world (laughs) shit turns Um, out uh, i'm in america yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh i'm your first host marcello and i'm host number two b as always i'm host number three dr Corey petty what's up this week guys oh uh this episode is going to be a bit different in our previous episodes, but a lot like all the ones before the this before the beginning of this year, we're gonna have a roundtable. We're gonna go to an interview, and we're gonna have a roundtable at the end. And, and we might have an ad. We're gonna have a sponsor. Holy shit! Oh, shit. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been it's been like what eighty episodes since we've had a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. we're we're lazy. Yeah, that's that's only a factor of our laziness and and, and not wanting to sponsor like. Outright, outrightscam.com. Yeah. It must put be a good one. My, put your money <laughs> in my pocket.com. Unless you're a good one. Then we'll shit on you after we say we love you. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, today's sponsor is CypherCore. That's CypherCore.io. What do they do? Uh, they're a staking service. They also offer uh, event hosting and consulting. Uh, so what's kind of cool about them is that a lot of the newer chains legitimate chains out there are proof of stake. And if you don't want to run a, a miner or a staker or be a staker, you can employ services like these to then do it for you. Uh, it's, it's probably the easiest way to get started in staking or, or be involved with that part of a network that does proof of stake. And CypherCore is definitely running a top-notch service to give you that type of ability. Start with a like. Do you guys, do you guys even know what kind of jingle you would do for a service like yeah. this? If you want to stick and you know where to go, you got to go to CypherCore.io. <laughs> Nio, you could do better. Uh, that was. I thought that was all right. Now we, we need to get. I wish we had sound effects so we could get like the like the guitar Ooh. riff. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you gotta like, you gotta, you gotta kind of say it wrong. So then the whole public is thinking: Is he saying IO or NIO? CypherCore.NIO or CypherCore.IO? I don't think NIO is a top level domain. Anyway, uh, they offer competitive commissions at like ten percent, so that's pretty good. That's actually really good. Uh, and commission is basically like you get a commission of the amount you're staking. They kind of take some off the top because they're providing all the infrastructure, all the service, so on and so forth. And they also offer it for all kinds of different chains, whether it be Cosmos or I don't know a lot of chains that do staking, to be honest. So 
Let's see what they have. I'm on, their <laughs> I'm on their website. There's a lot of staking chains, a lot of master master node chains now too. So, like so. a bunch of stuff is happening in Cosmos, I think this week, and that's the that's the main thing I think in which they're they're they're, they're participating in. And so, uh, the way Cosmos works is they have I think it's it's a certain number of people that are considered stakers that are like actually participating in a stake and staking, and those are the top like the top X number of people who are who are participating. That means that in order to be a participant, like to be a staker, you need to have a lot of money being staked. And people can delegate their stakes. So, like, if I don't, if I don't have enough a lot of money, I can delegate my coins, my atoms, I believe they're called, to someone else who's staking to then boost their amount. Right? Ooh, a delegation contract. Yeah, and so that's what that's what they're doing. They offer validation services to become stakers. So you just give you 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 give them your coins, or you know you delegate your coins to them. Which boosts their staking hold, which then makes more money, and you get a percentage of. Smart, smart. They have good right? commissions. You can check them out, cyphercore.io, to learn more about this stuff. Uh, let's see a couple of points that they wanted to say. Oh yeah, they wanted you to go to their uh, their Telegram. That's where the majority of their questioning is going on. So find the cyphercore Telegram. It's on their webpage, at the very bottom. That's the Telegram. And yeah, good stuff. Thank you, CypherCore.io. Yeah, Ken, Ken is a big out. is a big fan of the show. We appreciate him his participation in our Slack, and that's where this came from. So, if you're interested yeah. in doing that type of thing, join the Slack, join the conversation. If you're cool and we like you and the service that you offer, we'll definitely we'll definitely shill your product on the show for money. We don't mind. We'll shill for a bill. Um. So, I have a very funny story while we're talking about shilling. Um. So as you guys know, Jesse and I have been very committed to trying to get a fruit sponsorship for about three weeks now. That's so weird. <laughs> I didn't know you about. were committed. Were you the idea came up. So I think I just, I'll, I'll, it might be part of the story. I don't know. I don't want to ruin it. But like it came up on the Slack as a joke. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. I want that. <laughs> yes. So now Jesse and I are fully committed. And we've been spending time trying to get fruit sponsorships. We've even uh, gone as far as to hop in a chat with a Nestle customer service representative in the little chat boxes that show up in the bottom right. You have an echo. So, I am. Yeah. I do. Um, let me fix that. Well, I. I don't understand what just the headers is. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like. I don't know what what direction y'all went in, but it's people love it. Like I don't the th the things that are talked about in the Slack slash on the on the on the on the show is simultaneously like hilarious and confusing because you're talking about crypto half the time. The other time you're talking about who knows what, and people seem to love that. So congratulations on that. I would have never thought it would have been successful. <laughs> <laughs> um. I could I could tell you just a second. I'm trying to fix this. Is the echo still there? You're there. You're good. Okay. Um. So what happened is, just the progression of that show. I wanted the headlines. I wanted to talk about them. Then the headlines started getting progressively or more boring because they're all the same, and they're all about regulations and stuff that I don't care that much about. So that we've kind of gotten like, now we feel like okay, we're gonna give you these guys headlines, but we're just gonna be naturally curious about things as they come up in the headlines. And that's what it's grown into. One day I started talking about fruit 
because I had a fruit I hadn't had before. And it was like a 15 minute long conversation. <laughs> now it's the thing. So anyways, Jesse doesn't know how to get sponsorships, so he needs help. He hops into chats on websites and talks to the, the chat service representative in the bottom right box. And like, he's like, hello. And they'll say like, hello, how are you, sir? What's your account number? Da, da, da. And he's like, uh, I'm not an account. I don't have an account. I don't want one. You want to <laughs> on my podcast? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing, Jesse? And he's like, well, I just figured the more times you ask, you're, you're guaranteed to hit it's one. Numbers game, man. Throw stuff at the wall. See what sticks. He's like such an engineer, man. And like, so he's like, D, honestly, I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, yeah, it shows. And he's like, I know you did sales before. Can you help me? And I was like, yeah, man, you just got to, you know, you got to, we got to have a line or something. You got to kind of hook people and you got to find the right person. You got to spend more time trying to find the right person than actually talking to people. And he was like, well, what should I say? And I was like, well, think about it. We're not Joe Rogan, right? We can't just call people and say, hey, I represent Joe Rogan's podcast and we're interested in doing business with you. It'd be a different story. You could say that to anyone on any team and they'd probably say like, shit, okay, let's, we're going to go on Joe Rogan. People are going to know about us. He's like, okay, so I can't do that. Uh, what should I do? And I was like, well, we've got to try and get to the right person. So we've been trying to get a sponsorship from this company called Harvest Foods for like two weeks. They ignore us hard, but they make <laughs> freeze dried fruit and it's delicious and it looks great. So I find their phone number and I'm like, all right, man, we're going to call them. <laughs> and so we hop into Google Meet and we call them. And first I talk to him and I leave a message. I'm like, hello, my name is Demetri Ferguson. I'm highly interested in your product. And I'd like just a little bit more information about how you manufacture it. And I close. That's the message I leave. And I get on the phone and Jesse's like, what? Why did you do that? <laughs> Why didn't you ask them for a sponsorship? And I was like, because they don't know me from john jacob or jingleheimer smith i'm trying to get them on the line so i could try and get to somebody who knows something they're not answering emails they're not answering anything and he's like oh, okay i get it my turn oh, no. so, we call, so we call him back this happened literally yesterday before i hopped on a plane in the airport you call him back and i'm on the phone with jesse and he's like uh hello harvest foods my name is John, and I'm with the Joe Rogan podcast, oh, and I have, a very, <laughs> I have a very exciting business opportunity for you. <laughs> and, then he gives them, and then he gives them my phone number. He gives them my, my personal phone number and hangs up. Goes, <laughs> How's that? How's that? <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you doing? And he's like, you said I got to have a hook, right? So... I figured I'd hook him in first, getting him thinking that I'm with Joe Rogan's podcast, and then you just take it from there. So I gave him your phone number. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous shit I had ever experienced. So anyways, hopefully Harvest Food's going to be calling me back and thinking that I'm with Joe Rogan's podcast. It was very funny. All right. I hope I told that story funny enough for the listeners. Let's talk about crypto. Yeah, that show's weird. Go listen to it. <laughs> Did you see my suggestion? You guys should have nuts.com sponsor you, and then you could say it's D's nuts. Yeah, that's what I was that's what I thought was hilarious. Yeah. We'll put that on the list. Well, <laughs> nuts.com sells fruit. 
They do? Uh, oh, okay. Freezer freezer dried fruit, too. D's okay. fruit bowl. <laughs> these these forbidden fruit. Um <laughs> let's uh let's get into some crypto news. Oh. Anything yeah, what's up? This shit happened. Um y'all remember the scenario? Yeah, S Y N E R E O. Yeah, so like they broke up because the two founders, the CTO and the CEO, um didn't get along and they weren't shipping things or so on and so forth. I don't know the main story there. Um, but one of the, the CTO broke off and made a company called R chain, which made like $31 million during the ICO boom via two mm. different, um, fundraising events. Right. Yeah. I remember R chain. And I remember, so like the quote from the CEO of scenario when they broke up was like, he's leaving because he hasn't been able to produce any functioning code whatsoever. Something like that. Ouch. To, to like, to, it's paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. Uh, and apparently, this is something that uh, what's let me find this article here. They are in now financial trouble after after all of that money that they rose because they bought something called R Song or like they're functionally bankrupt because they bought they spent like. Some ridiculous amount of millions of dollars buying. I oh, got a paywall. <clears throat> Fucking paywalls. Is that what's hot on the streets now for ICOs? You make a bunch of money, then take that money and buy something else. I don't know because, like, part of what Archain's trying to do is make a, a, a like a like a streaming service, like a like a song streaming service. Wow. Because uh, they've always been into social networks, and I think they're trying to do that through through songs. So they bought something for more money than they probably have. And now they're functionally bankrupt and they don't have anything. Like hmm. they've never shipped anything. They never made anything. Wow. Apparently the test net is supposed to like their main net supposed to happen in a few months. TM slash everyone said that forever. There's, I was, there's a bunch of articles I was reading about this stuff. And I think this is like, man, like one, is it all full of <clears throat> shit? And is it just like the time of the tales of like what most businesses try and do and fail miserably? And they just happen to get a bunch of money through uh, this like ridiculousness that we knew of called the ICO or could they ship something that could potentially change, change like yeah. how we stream music. I want the latter is, to be the case, but I feel like everything is the former. Here's the thing is that when the latter is the case, and this is a testament to you, Cello, like when the latter is the case, they're usually so busy doing it that you don't hear about it, which is the double-edged sword, which sucks yeah. for them, right? Because they don't have anybody to help them market the awesomeness that they're doing, and they're doing their awesomeness in a they're doing their awesomeness in a black hole. So I'd like to think it's the latter, Corey, but if we're hearing about it, it's probably the prior. They didn't know what they were doing. They had a really cool idea with no plan, and they needed money for it, and they needed it now. And now they got the money and they were like, cool, we got this giant stack of money. What do we do? I don't know. Let's spend it really fast. That's pretty much how that, that's how that usually happens. So I'm not surprised and I'm pretty sure it's happened a lot, but it's just not being, it's not visible because there were so many ICO booms two years ago. Yeah. See so the deal so. saw our chain pay $23 million to immersion networks. A Redmond, Washington-based software studio that develops audio technology. 
Did we have anyone on from them associated with them? I think we might have had. We talked with Door. We had scenario uh, on a long time ago. Yeah, a long, long time long ago. Time and ago. I was actually really interested in their real calculus, which is like a, a, a neat thing and how that works and what they were trying to do. I kind of got sucked into it. And then the more and more and more there, it seems just like they never actually shipped anything. Like It's like, yeah, you have a lot of ideas, but you're not producing any actual code that works. Mm-hmm. Oof. These crypto companies need uh, like crossfire commercials. Remember that board game? I That's think what they need. facilitate that. <laughs> They need, even though Crossfire was a sucky game, the commercial was fire. You just I don't remember that commercial. Crossfire, and the kid would be like, no, and he would, come on, man. Like you too, that. Like the dark background? Yeah. The rock, yes. rock music? Yeah, with the fog meow. machine. Yeah, that's what you need. I want something to ship and work and change. But like at the end of the day, like, don't yeah. wrong. there's a lot of really, really, like, I, I'm in the Ethereum community basically all week every week i try and keep up with other stuff too there's a lot of really cool stuff happening that people are using like for instance like we run a tremendous amount of bounties status through a service called gitcoin right so you create an issue on your github repo that you want something done you could like explain how it gets done and what what the success criteria is and then you make a corresponding github or gitcoin bounty which means that like if someone does this i'll pay them money and there's a whole community of people who are just like scouring around Gitcoin looking for this type of work. And it's a great mm. way to, one, offload, offload work to other people uh, through like an open source contribution. And then it yeah. gets people into your community more, more yeah. familiar, familiar with your code that could be in like, an, like, a, like a hiring on ramp. I hate to say this, but that's cool. But like, I mean, like a, I want to finish here. Go ahead, like, go ahead. That's really cool. And there's a lot of cool services that you could do, but like, I haven't seen something shipped that is super production quality, ready to go out the door, making a difference every day. I hear a lot about it. I hear a lot of businesses that say they're doing it, but I haven't, I haven't like, I don't use it yet. I don't see it. Our, our company's trying to do it. And I've realized that it's not, now it's very difficult to do depending on mm-hmm. like how forward thinking or difficult your original idea was. But like, I think that should we see ahead. more of it? Are we going to see more of it? We thought this year was going to be like the year of things coming to mainnet. Augur came. We're not going to see more of it. I'm convinced that crypto is right on the precipice of that state in its maturity as like a tech community where all the things that need to exist for minimum viability already do. And we're getting into this point where everything new is kind of shit. And why are you building that something new? Why don't you build that on Ether? What do you... Why? I don't... And, I mean, I know you don't disagree. I know you disagree because you always disagree. But I just feel like it's... Just get to work on and make things work now. We're tired of new. We don't need new. We need We need stuff that works. I don't think... I One, I, I agree. But I feel like just works isn't good enough. It needs to be like, I think I, I read an article last week from, um, I forget which part of the F, uh, F security community, but one of the, one of the guys, one of the security companies that participates in the F security community that I participate in wrote a short little blog post about like how we're doing it wrong. 
and what it had, like what the end user application has to be. It's like, and the first analogy that he used is that when bicycles move from that big ass wheel up front to tiny wheel on the back that you see like old cartoons with guys with like leotards, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like those big mm-hmm. ass bicycles with the front wheels are massive and the back wheel is tiny. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like when we move from that bike to the other bike, we got a chain. The, the bike got a chain, which, which increased the efficiency of the bike and how you sit on it, so on and so forth. But when people got the new bike, they weren't happy about the chain. They were happy that they could ride a bike and not fucking kill themselves. <laughs> the user experience of riding a bike got tremendously better. And that, the that people who used sense. it didn't give a shit about the reason why it got better. They just, they just cared that it got better they could use it. Shouldn't the first iteration be, though, that it just works, and then second and third iterations can just make it better? Yeah, that's or... the thing. Like, I think a lot of this stuff just works. It's just unreachable to like the vast majority of people. That's why I said minimally viable. Or it needs to scale. Like uh, Coinbase. It's... Coinbase made like, what, half a bill in revenue? Coinbase. They have 500 employees. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, do you need a, a really big team in the software business to scale or if it's not necessary? Like, how, how many people is the software. status? Oh, we have 66. If it's, a, if it's a stupid, simple software, then you don't need a lot of people. Our software is not because stupid, simple. I think if the more, <laughs> the more complex your software is, the more people you'll need and you'll know more people you'll need intimately aware of the inner workings to handle customer relations. That's people how it should be. Your, yeah, people use yeah. Companies don't know how to structure. Yeah. Correct. Well, so, I think simultaneously because these companies are, are built of up of at least um, ah, across this, across the board in the blockchain space, blockchain companies are built up of the early ideologues of like what this technology could do. So at the same time that they try and build these incredibly innovative forward thinking financial mm-hmm. so, like financial changing software, they're also trying to innovate company organ organization or just like trying to figure out company organization or doing both of those things at the same time. Right. And so like it's, you're stacking inefficiency on inefficiency. So not yep. only are you trying to like create something that's never been created before, you're trying to do it in a way that's never been done before. Yeah. But I, the goal of these things, in my opinion is, is very worthwhile, but you're not going to see crazy productivity coming from them and another curveball going on with ethereum Corey, i don't even know if you you might know the corium core devs are trying to consider every three months a hard fork yeah they've always been okay with hard forks that was the original upgrade goal for ethereum they're every not contentious they're not contentious hard forks are not content they don't, they don't have to be contentious and if they're know, not they're really efficient that, but you're increasing every with every hard fork you're increasing the probability of there being a contentious hard fork the next time. It depends on it depends on the whole argument currently in the Twitter sphere is is, is governance, how governance is done, and who gets to say what. And then when the final set is, ha- is done, if everyone's happy with the way the decision was made, uh, it's like I think smoking. there's been a lot of hard forks in the past already. Only one of them produced a fork that stayed alive. It's like smoking, man. Some people smoke their whole lives and they get lucky. But the probability <laughs> is the more you smoke, the faster you die. 
And that's what I feel like with these hard forks is like every time we have a hard fork, it's like, oh shit, is this gonna be the one? Is this gonna be the one? Mm. I don't think it's that it's big just, of a deal. It's just Bitcoin made it that big of a deal because Bitcoin's community can't fucking come to a conclusion on anything. Yeah, that's because like they don't Bitcoin that doesn't is. have to be the standard, right? Granted, decentralized permissionless governance is really hard, especially when you have like a bunch of by definition, adversarial people participating in it. I want decentralized permissionless government on a t-shirt. Yeah, Just to see what kind of conversation it sparks. Be the coolest person walking around. What is decentralized permissionless government if you have to ask? You're too much of a GPG. DPG? You're not down with with DPG? Man. (laughs) Um, Are you guys down with CPP and GPP? CPP? Yeah, so the on-ramping that still hasn't aired because of things. Uh, Jessica said um, she's a CPP, not a GPP. And I was so like, GPP, What's that? for the audience in our history who, are, who have not listened to all of our episodes, shame on you, is general purpose people or general yep. purpose person. It's so derogatory, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, <laughs> anyways, you can't take offense to it though if you are one. That's what's beautiful about it. Yeah, yeah you're like, I'm oh, a yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, a, I'm pretty, I'm pretty general in this context. <laughs> it's like shit. How and how the funny experiment is to go through your life and figure out how much of a GPP you are with certain things, like flipping on the light switch. I'm a GPP. I have no idea the alternating current, direct current, all that shit. Nope, don't know what's going on at the power pole outside of the house don't fucking know what's going on at the power plant don't want to <laughs> I'm <Yeah. a> GPP. <laughs> like nope whenever uh jesse tells me like well power starts here and he like brings me through the process i'm like yeah no i don't wanna don't wanna know don't need to know gpp but anyway she said she's a cpp a crypto purpose person she's like one level above where she doesn't understand everything and doesn't need to but needs to understand a little bit more and wants to. I don't like the name. I like the idea of that section mm. of people. I don't like the name. Yeah, don't come up with your own acronyms, Jessica. What are you doing? It's our job. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well. I guess it is a pretty good name. I have, I have to think about that. Because like, it is like she's she's... I feel like I would be more of a crypto purpose person because like everything I do is basically about this technology. Yeah. You can't say you're an expert though. So Oh, if by by whatever definition is available, I'm an expert. (laughs) If I'm getting paid, I'm an expert. Like put it like (laughs) put it like that. Okay, so I I this is this is an interesting conversation by itself. Like who can say they're an expert in this space? If you're because paid, by Malcolm Gladwell's definition, no, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. Like by Malcolm Gladwell's definition, ten thousand hours is is only a few people, because the technology hasn't been around ten years. What maybe just now with Bitcoin, right? That's a great point. Maybe it's the ten thousand hour measurement stick. But because the whole technology hasn't been here, the people who understand what is there are probably experts. They're just not like the seasoned expert that we typically say. Like I can, okay, you, here's what, like we used to know everything about everything when we first started because there wasn't a lot there. And now yeah. you have to specialize. But like when I talk to somebody, it like the knowledge gap between me and them 
is devastatingly large. I should be considered an expert. Yeah, I get that too. Um, I got people that talk to me about just Bitcoin and I blow their mind on things. And I'm like, this is, I don't know, like 90% of what's going on now, but it's, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think, okay, here's another curveball. What about the old slope intercept? Huh? What about the old why intercept of does your previous experience equate help help add to the, your 10,000 hours before Bitcoin started? Like if like you're Andreas. a mathematician, you'll be good at pool because you get how angles and vertices. Yeah, like, well, I'd say like more like Andreas was a security. So was a was a cybersecurity expert before he entered into this. Yeah. So does the his cybersecurity expertise at least count to some factor at raising him towards his ten thousand hours before there could even be a start to the ten thousand hours? Probably. I feel like he's Satoshi, so it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whenever I say I'm Satoshi, people just laugh. So that's how I know. What if oh, Satoshi was a black guy? How good see? would you feel? I think it was an. I would be so happy. I would be so happy. <laughs> so so happy. Um, what you, one nerdy ass black dude. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Uh, y'all see that? It was on. I think it was on our slash Bitcoin because I still. For some reason, visit there occasionally. Um, the better question is, why can't Satoshi be a black guy? It could be. If this were video, you guys would have seen my face. But anyway, yeah, there, was well a, there was an image on uh, r slash Bitcoin that was like it looked kind of like a bingo square of like all of the a lot of core devs or people of influence, uh, people who are well known within the Bitcoin sphere. Who in every in every single square it said like I am Satoshi I am Satoshi I am like I am I am Satoshi in the middle was Craig Wright that says not me not you <laughs> he's he's definitely not Satoshi he definitely but... I think is finally like the nail in the coffin was the recent uh, thing that he did with some of the court filings he did he uploaded uh, a document that had a signature on it that was verifiably false based on what he said the signature was. It turns out you can look at signatures and figure out when they were done. Crazy how cryptography works. You'd think Satoshi would know that. Uh, and yeah. it also had the same like preheaders or, or parts of the signature that were the same as the other things he used to use to, f to forge or pretend that he was Satoshi. Yeah, the guy's a dingleberry. He's a, yeah, He's it's a like, straight up fraud. Can't, I'm, I'm so happy that... Well, I'm, I'm saying this probably ahead of, ahead of my time. He's probably being ostracized from the community completely. Good. I hope. I think it's like, if it doesn't happen now, then it just can't happen. His coin is yeah. gone to shit. It's being delisted off exchanges. Uh, he's, he's, he's uploading un, like, verifiable documents that he's a fraud. Like, ironically, trying to prove that he's not. I mean... Crucify me if you want to, audience, but I think that some of the crypto community needs to adapt some good old-fashioned politics moving forward. And like these people that are obviously toxic to the community need to be ostracized. Like who? Like Craig Wright. Uh, ostracized. Get him out of here. He, he doesn't belong. He's, how do you he's get someone fraudulent. out in a permission, permissionless You ostracize them socially. Environment. You ostracize them socially, and then you continue to do that to a point to where every contribution they make is a is a net. 
Here's the problem. Nothing. Here's the problem. Because that's, I think people tried to do that. I mean, you even had Vitalik outright calling him a fraud in in yeah. conversation. That's at, what I'm talking about. That's and, we need more of that. But th- there's always going to be someone that's willing to profit off, like profit off of his, you know, quote unquote influence. There's always going to be somebody, some some greedy fuck who's going to make a conference that invites him because he's he's a, he's a headliner, or it's gonna it's gonna stir up controversy, or they can make money off the people who are gonna who don't know any better who are gonna come listen to him. Look at look at look at uh, McAfee. McAfee is the shining example of what like people are willing to go through to make a profit because other people will listen to some dumb fuck. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't know Ostracized. anything. And yet he will continue to make money in this space because for some reason people listen to him. McAfee gets on my nerves, but a lot of things get on my nerves about crypto sometimes. Anyway, we need we, alphas. We need segue. We need alphas in this space. Is that what you said, Chill Joe? I, I don't I, like McAfee. Don't get me wrong. I don't like him, but we just we need more masculine figures. That's all. Why? Oh my! Why? God. Ooh, you just took a Why? shot across the bow with that that phrase. You're gonna we're gonna catch heat for that phrase. Let's pick this up in the back end. So yeah, <laughs> don't hang up. Holy Listen shit. to this interview. We're gonna get back it's, to that. It's two twenty nineteen for that. Um, yeah. So we for the first interview that we've had of twenty nineteen, I believe. Um, uh, yeah, not in counting Ray. Ray's everywhere. Yeah, Slow I don't know, Ray. If Ray Counts. It's like, like community show, stuff. They just like join, and then it turns into like a conversation with somebody. Yeah, like he, well, he participates in the Slack. He's a community member. Yeah. So I think this is the first one we've had that's like our original um, framework, our original structure. This is Eric Connor. He is a uh, community leader, I guess, in the Ethereum community. Ethub.io, I believe, is his website there. And he is building content to, and he wants it to be authentic for the people. He's pretty much the opposite of the people that we just spoke of. Uh, very active on Twitter, uh, very knowledgeable on all things Ethereum. We had a pretty general conversation about like the current state of Ether and where we see Ethereum going. Uh, just it was good. It was good to get back in the interview saddle. So. Here it is. Hey, everybody. It is interview time. We are here this week with Eric Connor, who is building the ETH Hub, which, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's pretty fresh. Well, it's about two months old. It is, yeah. We just went live uh, just after the beginning of the year, actually, about January 3rd or so. Well, there's there's something that I'm noticing. Like, uh, I, I went to your Twitter account. It says that you joined in March 2008 and what that tells me is you were an, an adopter of early technologies that's early so you like to be on the forefront of like exciting new things yeah absolutely I remember seeing Twitter around and some of my college roommates and I were messing around with it it's kind of funny though I used Twitter just on a personal level until about 10 months ago or so and then I decided you know it started becoming a medium for talking about crypto so I kind of repurposed my Twitter um, which wasn't kind of out there for the public in the crypto space and then started using it for crypto it's been a fun tool to kind of you know talk about crypto and and it helps a lot on uh, because we don't make much money off ETHUB right now so it's nice free marketing for ETHUB yeah absolutely so for those that uh, I guess let me rewind about what ETHUB is and who you are, I guess we could start at square one and uh, tell the people a little bit 
about yourself and then kind of how your journey in the crypto kind of interwoven with your uh, your current interests and uh, skill sets. Yeah, for sure. So my background is actually in finance. Uh, I went to college with a finance degree. I kind of stumbled across Bitcoin randomly in 2013. I feel like kind of a typical story got pretty fascinated with it and thought it was a great idea. Um, you know, I've traded stocks for most of my life. So I started kind of trading and eventually almost day trading Bitcoin, um, got into some IRC channels with people that were really into the technology and trading it. Um, yeah. Then, I'm sorry. I said IRC, hot damn. Yeah, exactly. Old school, right? <laughs> Throwback. I think there's still some channels around out there. Oh, but they're uh, up and they're uh, talking. Yeah, I on, bet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I kind of got involved in that and then saw Vitalik's uh, speech introducing Ethereum at Bitcoin Miami. Uh, a couple of us in the chat who were interested in it. About that time, Mt. Gox got hacked. So we were kind of saying, you know, why are these decentralized assets being traded on centralized exchanges? Um, and three of us set out to build EtherX, which was the first attempt at a decentralized exchange on Ethereum. Um, to be honest, we were kind of a little early, as odd as that sounds. I mean, decentralized exchanges are still struggling to get off the ground five years later. Um, and the team kind of fell apart. Since then, I've just been kind of drifting around the community and, you know, on Reddit and now Twitter and just meeting a lot of people in the space and going to meetups. Um, so then Ethub got started a few months back. Some of my friends and I were sitting around talking online and we're saying there's a lot of misinformation being spread about Ethereum. So we we're like, why don't we kind of make a source of information where people can go and we try to keep it as unbiased as possible for people to kind of learn about the history, the present and the future of Ethereum. Nice. So while we're talking about the future where you just ended on what let's let's squash some rumors that it's not going to scale it can never scale are they squashable like give us the harsh reality yeah i mean they're squashable i would say it's gonna it always takes more time than people think right i mean to be honest people have been talking about scaling ethereum since it first went live in 2015 right um proof of stake and sharding and layer two solutions have always been on the roadmap i think we're just starting to get on the cusp of layer two solutions so you know i just recently talked to the scent team they're using for so for people that know don't know that's a uh, kind of a social network that you can monetize so you you can pay people um, that you like their content for. You can ask, you can post bounties and get responses and you can pay them in ETH. Um, you know, they're building that on a payment channel, a layer two solution on Ethereum. Um, we're starting to see payment hub solutions like Connects come online. We have the POA network, which is allowing for DAI transfers, which is the stable coin built on Ethereum to happen on a layer two solution. So we're, I think right now we're kind of seeing the birth of layer two solutions there's it's kind of a plethora of them there's like 15 or 20 being worked on right now which is a bit confusing to the end user um, but i think we're going to end up settling on more kind of like generalized layer two solutions over time now e2.0 which is going to bring scaling through sharding to the base layer ethereum you know the reality is it's going to take a couple years so in a few months we're going to venture onto the testnet we can talk about that a little bit throughout this interview as well um but you know they're just we're starting to like come up the crest of the hill and start to discover some of these layer two solutions and that, that's what i'm personally pretty bullish on at the moment 
When we talk about layer two, is that the same as Ethereum 2.0? Are we referencing the same thing? So that's different. So Ethereum 2.0 is going to be proof of stake and sharding. And so as confusing as it is using Ethereum 2.0, that's actually scaling the base layer. So the base Ethereum mainnet that's out there now. When we're talking layer two, that's solutions that are kind of you know, layered on top of the base layer. So things like payment channels and state channels. I mean, for people that are familiar with Bitcoin, that's essentially like the Lightning Network, right? It's not a base layer protocol. It's being built on top of the base settlement layer. Um, so those are the solutions that we're kind of seeing come online at this point. Thank you for clearing that up. I'm, I'm high level, but I'm still, I, I, I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a lot. There's a lot to learn. Yeah. It's yeah, you know that if anything, that's what we've learned in all this time is that, you know, you you dig a little bit deeper and you open up something else that has to be learned or, or developed or hell even invented, right? You know, Bitcoin scaling doesn't happen until it has to. That's something that I've said time and time again over the years, but you know these solutions to problems don't exist until you have the problem, right? Which is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with that. I mean, I actually, there was, there was kind of a tweet thread going around Twitter yesterday and it was kind of like, if you had to criticize, you know, Ethereum a little bit, what would it be right now? And my response was, I don't think people really kind of, people are always obsessing over tomorrow and not appreciating what we have today. Um, you know, I think the base 1.0 chain is a good accomplishment. I think, what we have now is good and layering layer two solutions on top of that is going to work for most use cases. So people are kind of obsessing over E2.0, which in the long term, I think we need and, you know, is necessary. But I definitely agree with you. It's like we don't want to overscale this thing if we don't have the core use cases for that yet. And I, I think we're still kind of discovering what the masses are going to want as far as mm -hmm. using blockchain solutions. Absolutely. And like to go to, to iron that down, like, we didn't always have stoplights. That was a solution to a problem that was needed when the roads got congested. Right? Like, that's how scaling works. It's slow at a time. But if you go all the way out and, you know, butt fucking Egypt and build roads no one's going to use and put fancy stoplights on them with camera and maybe pressure sensors, why would you do that? Nobody's even anywhere near that road yet. That's a waste of money. It's a waste of time. And so I feel like I have to say, like, patience, everyone. Patience, but w speaking of adoption, because that seems to be where we're going. What do you think? So, Cello, we had an argument today. Not an argument. A healthy, friendly debate. We had a healthy, friendly debate on adoption, Eric. We thought that adoption. Cello thinks adoption should be really active and just full of sentiment, and it's there needs to be a revolution, and people need ether tattoos on their eyelids and just <laughs> I'm taking it to the extreme, but no, it was, was kind of like, uh, and Ethereum doesn't have this problem yet. It's like, you know, Coinbase was supposed to, they came out with narratives last year. Like, Hey, Oh, this was during the last bull run. Like we signed up more people today than you can fit in Fenway park. This is going to be the on ramp. This is going to create mass adoption. And now they're like, they're adding ripple. They don't care that people are upset about that. They're getting away from their their reputation, their core uh, mission statements. And I just I feel like we're getting away from the original vision that made this place so great. And I know that's harsh, but I'm a marketer. 
And that's just how I feel. And so my point of view is that maybe adoption is going to be something where people are using crypto and they don't know they're using crypto. So that was my argument. Cello hates it. I would like to see, you don't have to agree with either one of us, but agree with me, but I would like to see. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. What, how do you feel adoption is going to go? And let's talk just specifically adoption of, of ether. Yeah, absolutely. So I would agree. I'm not trying to be a people pleaser here, but I'm kind of in the middle of both of you, to be honest. So I fully agree. This interview is over. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So I will I will back it up. Um, So I think that I fully agree. So Coinbase put out kind of their listing framework a year ago, which listed all these things that must happen for them to list a coin. We might as well throw that in a dumpster and light it on fire at this point, right? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I mean, listing XRP is a complete joke. I mean, I'm not an Ether Classic fan. They've listed that. There's a lot of problems with what they've done. And clearly, the bear market's gotten to them like it has a lot of other other people and and companies as well. Um, I do agree that I don't think people... The ideal state is going to be that people are using Ethereum and don't realize it. To get there, it's going to, I think that's going to take years, right? I think we would have to be very patient to get there. Um, what I'm seeing right now and leading the adoption front on the Ethereum side is the movement of open finance. So, you know, if you kind of read the Ethereum white paper, which, you know, obviously Vitalik wrote originally, the core vision there was programmable money and all, pretty much all the use cases he envisioned were around this concept of programmable money and open finance. So, you know, if you kind of go through his listed use cases, the, the first one's actually tokens, right? So obviously we saw the big ICO boom in 2017, which, you know, kind of proving a decentralized fundraising platform is very powerful. Of course, there was a bit of a black eye because a lot of people got burned, but, you know, that's for a whole nother discussion. Um, in, in part of that, he also envisioned a stable coin. So we're seeing MakerDAO kind of blow up right now in Ethereum. There's 2 million Ether locked in there. Um, and in doing in collateralizing loans on MakerDAO, that's how you mint this stable coin die, right? And that's kind of growing a lot of use cases on Ethereum. So now that we have this stable coin, which is fully backed and collateralized um, and pegged to the US dollar, that opens up a bunch of different use cases. So in doing that, we're seeing like money markets come online. Dharma's doing um, lending. So this whole open finance narrative is growing. And I think this is pretty powerful because there's a lot of people across the world, perhaps that are denied to banking or there's very high fees, right? You go out and open a loan at a bank, you're charged maybe $8,000 in closing costs. It takes 60 days. You can go on Maker and open up a loan for pretty much you know, one to two cents and it, it's instant, right? So there's a lot of experimentation happening around this concept of open finance, which is kind of bred out of programmable money, right? And I think that's going to lead adoption in Ethereum for the next, you know, at least two or three years because people are realizing, hey, I don't need to just hold my crypto in Ether. I can actually go out there and put my money to use for me, whether it's take a loan out with it um, and get some die. I could then go take that and lend it on compound finance and earn an interest rate on it. That's maybe over when I'm paying for my maker loan. There's just so many possibilities there. And I think that's going to attract a lot of people. What's the context of what you're saying? Are we talking B2B? Is this B2C or consumer to consumer driven? Because uh, you're talking about experimentation. Uh, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's pretty experimentation based at this point, right? But I think that, you know, banks are going to 
eventually realize that they can cut down their operational costs by doing this, right? And I think we're going to go through an experimentation phase for a while. And in all honesty, it's mostly people sitting on their crypto that say, hey, I want to do something with this. So let me go out there and mess around with DAI or go lend it out to someone on there's something called DYDX protocol where you can like long or short ETH just by holding it. Um, there's all the, it's definitely in an experimentation phase at this point. Yeah. That's the general. <laughs> We've been in an experimentation phase for a while. I feel like we're, we're still going to be there for a while. Um, how do you feel about Bitcoin? We've been talking about Ether this whole time. But how do you feel about Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, I got started in Bitcoin. I really have nothing against it. Every once in a while, I give it some some hard times on Twitter. But honestly, the only reason I do that is because I think some people hold to the narratives a little too strongly. I, I think my personal opinion is, you know, the Bitcoin community has settled into, hey, we don't want to touch much. We don't want to mess with the security of the network by going, you know, increasing the block size or whatever it might be. I think that's fine. I personally see long term. Bitcoin maybe settling into the digital gold narrative, which there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if I had to invest in, I mean, to be honest, I, I just hold Ether at this point. But if I had to pick another coin, it would only be Bitcoin. I wouldn't invest in anything besides those two. I'm not into the ICOs or any of the other tokens that are out there. Um, I definitely think, you know, it's got a future. Um, I do think there's some interesting things around the 21 million cap. I think, you know, I know that technically we're not going to get there for a hundred years or so but you know in just the next six years the block reward is going to be cut like 75 percent or so it'll be interesting to see you know let's just theorize that bitcoin price doesn't go up in those six years which i mean who knows it could go down it could go up it could go sideways we don't really know most people listening to this probably think it's going to go up which you know i would generally agree with because i think crypto is on the rise still um but if it doesn't, it'll be interesting because how do you start paying, you know, the miners to secure the network at that point? So, you know, I do think there's some interesting things that eventually Bitcoin will run across as far as how they adopt the protocol. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of loud voices that try and control the narrative. I don't think they're actually representative of kind of the core Bitcoin community. And I think it, I think it's here for the long haul. But the, the days of Bitcoin leading the market cap are over soon, you think? I personally think so. I mean, if you look at the 27, uh, 2017 bull run in crypto, it's pretty obvious that Ethereum led that. And, you know, a lot of that was because of ICOs, of course. So people were buying, you know, potentially buying ETH that put into ICOs. And we kind of saw, I think that's on why the downfall, Ether fell a little bit more than Bitcoin. I mean, I personally think, I mean, this is no shock, probably I run ETHUB.io and most of my Twitter is Ethereum focused. I think a lot of the innovation and developments happening in Ethereum at this point. But you know what? At the same time, I don't think the Bitcoin community minds that. I, I think, you know, Lightning Network is kind of what um, all the marbles have been put in that basket. And, you know, if that takes off, then, you know, Bitcoin is pretty much set as far as development goes, except for maintenance, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I, I, I like the Lightning Network. Um for what it, it could be, you know, if, of course, we, we talk about adoption all the time, uh, but it it's it's kind of strange how when the Lightning Network sparked up as a solution that we've been talking about for years, all of a sudden no one cares about it. And that <laughs> that to <laughs> me was like the worst irony. And when I say no one cares, it's like uh, 
You know, it seems there's more exciting things going on than the second layer we've been waiting for for years. But it, yeah, it um, it's definitely it's growing the Lightning Network. Um, but it's not doing a good job of, I guess, getting the message out there that it's growing like it is. So I don't know. There's a lot of pros and cons to that, but. It- yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the problems Bitcoin has right now is uh, so personally, I think long term, the best narrative for Bitcoin to fall into is digital gold, right? Everyone, you know, they, they focus highly on security. They don't want to make any changes to the protocol. And doing that, you could pitch the narrative of digital gold to people, right? Um, now, in doing that, it's interesting to put a lot of weight in the Lightning Network because if you're kind of thinking of your Bitcoin as a long term investment, it's scarce, scarce digital gold. Do you really want to spend it on P2P payments? So I think that'll be interesting to watch develop over the coming years. I mean, there's some solutions on the Ethereum layer two side coming online right now. Um, the XDI burner wallet, which uses kind of a side chain. We have um, the Connects payment channels coming online, which is going to allow people to send, you know, stablecoin DAI um, on a payment channel on Ethereum. So it'll be interesting to see if the masses want to actually spend their crypto in these payment channels or use a stable coin like DAI, which is tied to US dollars. I mean, my hunch is they're going to want to use a stable coin because that's just a merchant and people aren't going to want to have to deal with the day-to-day volatility of crypto. But this is going to be a really interesting thing to watch play out over the coming years. My, my question is, is will crypto in general, like, it's so interesting. I think you you studied finance. You probably studied a healthy amount of economics as well. I'm just making assumptions, though. Wild ass assumptions. Like I know you, but <laughs> that's fair. Um, do you think crypto ever moves past the greed being the thing that fuels it? And what I mean by that is, it seems, Cello, you say this a lot too. Is the get rich fast? motto does it ever move past that and can anything get it there because to me i see these bull runs as every new bull run is some group of people seeing like oh i can print money if i make something you know if i just change a little bit i can basically print money and nobody can get past that and say like, okay, well, let me work on something that's already there and make it better. Well, do you even want the narrative to get past that? Once you get past that, then you might lose half your audience. The people that are here just for that and will never go beyond that. Can this be a healthy ecosystem? Can this be a thriving community if we get rid of that narrative once and for all? That's a good question. Yeah, like I mean, if, you know, of course, crypto Twitter is always going to thrive and developers are always going to build. But there's the other half of the world that we don't subscribe to that just post cat memes and dumb videos that we ignore. <laughs> but we need those people too to participate. That's just my opinion. I don't know. I feel like we lost the question in there. Well, Eric, you have your own podcast and yeah. it's. You, you know, you're you're also you, you don't want to talk into a vacuum. You want to have a, a large audience as well. Yeah. well. I mean, do you want to branch outside a developer community? If you're develop, if you're interviewing someone from Scent, don't you want someone who's not a developer or not buying into the technology to maybe press play and find out something new 
and go beyond the price. I think that's what we all kind of wish for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's there's no doubt it's disheartening when you know the crypto market starts to move up again, and you see all the trash coins fall. Right, like, oh look, Ether's up eight percent, but XRP's up fifteen, or Denta coins up seven. <laughs> like, that doesn't really make you feel good. Like, the market's actually moving for real use cases. Um, you know, I guess the only thing that's really going to drive that are these real world use cases. I mean, until you get there. Yeah, you're never going to fully flush greed from the market, right? I mean, the crypto market is basically an exponential look at greed and fear in trading markets, right? And one thing that I don't think people really think about is price isn't directly tied necessarily to adoption and development that's happening, right? I mean, it's very easy to manipulate smaller crypto markets. Bitcoin and Ether is very tough to do these days with some of these smaller ones. I mean, it doesn't take much to pump or dump some of these markets. Um, you know, hopefully, I, I do agree. I mean, in your example of Into the Ether, you know, interviewing developers and talking about the apps, you kind of wonder how do you reach this outside audience? And it's very tough to do, right? I mean, it's tough to just explain the basic concepts of crypto to people. Um, I personally think that's why kind of the concept of this open finance concept will kind of launch it into the masses. I mean, I, I, personally believe you know jp morgan had their news recently they're going to be using the ethereum private chain called quorum um, initially it sounds to me like they're going to interrupt into the main chain i think my opinion on adoption is that eventually these financial institutions are going to realize the power of you know not only 24 7 tradability and uh, interchange of of assets but the cost savings they're going to see and all of a sudden people are going to have these in their bank account, you're going to be able to, you know, for example, go into USDC or DAI or JPM coin, whatever it might be from your bank account. And all of a sudden you're kind of in this world um, of open finance. So that's kind of my bullish scenario. Um, you know, I, I did kind of hope that this past bear market would flush out the greed, but I, it doesn't seem to me like that's going to be the case. I think, first of all, I definitely think we're going to get another bull run here somewhat soon. And I don't think most of the shit coins are going to be left behind. I think they're going to follow suit. Yeah. I think you and Cello are right in that you can't, I think you're right in saying that you can't flush out the greed. And I think Cello's right in saying that why would you want to? Like, <laughs> that's what markets operate on is the, yeah. greed and, the greed and the fear. I'm always on the other shoulder, like giving you just bad commentary i apologize <laughs> <laughs> no that's fair but i mean it's it's like human nature too though like you go back and read articles from you know cnn money in 2000 or 1999 and you read about the dot-com boom i mean you can literally just replace words from the article and it matches what we just went through in crypto right it, it's mm -hmm. just that these cycles continue to repeat and you know in these articles it's like oh 95 percent of the ipos have gone bankrupt and then you read an article two years later and it's like oh the internet's blowing up right with all the the companies that survived that's my personal take on how crypto is going to evolve as well yeah i hope it does but at the same time it's kind of antithetical to the whole like decentralization this decentralization that no it's just a rehash of the internet and now we have disrupted trust in taking a small part of what we trust maybe with our finances um and our money and put that into new companies and different companies. And yeah. I mean, that, the, the ICO boom was an unfortunate, you know, scenario. I, like I said, I think enabling anybody to fundraise is nice, but obviously greed completely took over. I will say, you know, I think, 
you know, I do this a lot is you just kind of think in your own personal scenario. But if you think about more kind of how can we evolve this to more second and third world economies? I mean, we're seeing a big boom of uh, Bitcoin volume in Venezuela. You you think of people that are, you know, their currencies being inflated because of bad government practices. They would love to get into crypto and have some more stability, right? I mean, imagine someone in Venezuela that has access to make or die, which is perfectly tied to the USD. I mean, they can put their money in Ethereum, convert that over to die, and all of a sudden their money's safe, right? So I think thinking about that and kind of those longer term use cases is where this is really going to go. I mean, we just had Eat Denver. Uh, two month, two weeks ago or so, and they did this whole experiment where they used XDAI, which is using DAI, uh, the stablecoin, on a layer two solution, and that's how you spent your money at the conference. And all the food trucks used it, and they did like thirty thousand um, US dollars in volume for DAI and transacting. And I think the merchants paid like seven cents in transaction fees, where they would have normally paid like hundreds of dollars. So it's these. It's going to take time, but it's these cost savings and then kind of flight to safety for people that maybe don't have the luxuries that we have in first world countries that is really going to eventually kind of blow this up, I think. Yeah. I'd like to agree with you there. Um, still long, long ways to go. You said something interesting uh, about a few minutes back and you said it, you said this stuff is so tough to explain to people. And I think that's like a big fault on everyone in the crypto ecosystem. It's like, why in the hell are we making something that's tough to explain to someone? How come nobody bends over backwards to make it simple? Is it that tough? Like, I mean, this is just like an open question to you, Cello, and you, Eric. Like, if you met someone and they asked you about crypto, would it be a tough conversation or... Uh, I think I think you know I think we're in the phase where uh, a rocket scientist is in his lab right now, and Eureka, he came up with the formula, but he doesn't know how to explain it at a point where it could be a Super Bowl commercial. It's very high level, it's very technical, and we haven't watered it down yet. I just I just don't think we're there yet. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's tough because we're all very like intertwined in the workings. It's hard to kind of step back and explain it. I, I saw someone who it's escaping me who put it out, but um, they were like, how I explain crypto to people now is I don't use like, hey, oh, it could be this use case, right? Like, oh, you could go on Augur and do a prediction market. It was more like, you know, they had the person take out like a $20 bill and they were like, hey, did you know, you know, that could just be printed by the US government? Uh, and then they explain either Bitcoin or die. I can't remember. Probably Bitcoin, I think. And they were like, you know, here, there's a set amount of this. Well, maybe I guess that's debatable. Uh, and that more can't be printed. And there's, you know, you know, you lose value on this. I think kind of explaining that to people um, that, you know, most people don't re don't understand inflation, right? They don't understand monetary policy and and all that good stuff. And kind of, I think that's the proper route to take instead of trying to understand like never start with oh so there's this block of transactions and there's some gpus mining these blocks like that's not the good way to go about it right i like to blow up of people's soul now when they ask me they're like what's this bitcoin thing and i'm like well bitcoin turns the internet into money and they're like wait wait what and that's how that's how i've started for the past six months describing it. i don't know how People listening to this will, will cringe or roll their eyes, however they feel about it. But that's the way I 
that's how I feel it does what it does. I, just, I feel like you're like Morpheus, and you're like, when well, we're all batteries, and we're in a completely digital world, you're going <laughs> to use Bitcoin. Yeah, you're not going to use, you know, George Washington's. It's going to be Bitcoin, because that's the direction we're heading in. <laughs> we all turn into just meat, piles of meat soaking <laughs> yeah. in pink goo, yeah. and living. I saw a funny video the other day of a guy who was doing, like, virtual reality, like, um, but he put himself in a club, like in in like a dance club, and I was like, "Man, we're getting so close to the Matrix. We're just we're getting close." <laughs> He's in his living room just dancing by himself. But um, so the reason I asked, like, can it be made simple, Eric, is because we have a trademark question on our show, the Bitcoin Podcast, where we talk about lots of things other than Bitcoin, but. In 10 words or less, can you describe Ethereum? Yeah, I would say it's the programmable money of the internet. Does that make sense? That's up to people. Who can that be applied to Bitcoin, though? Um, uh, partially, but I don't see Bitcoin as fully programmable. You know, it doesn't have a Turing complete scripting language, so... You know, yes, it can do multi-sigs and it has Bitcoin script, but it's to me, it's not, you know, you, you can't, for example, write the MakerDAO system on Bitcoin, of course. Ooh. Shots fired. I like it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be checked in my in my place. That's six <laughs> words. Joe, you know what's a great sign? Maybe we should, this is something we should, like, track. The percentage of people getting this right is leading me to believe we're getting close to a point where this stuff is simple enough to sprinkle on that marketing magic that you like and get to the masses that are, what did you say earlier in the interview? Posting cat memes and dancing in virtual Russian dance halls. Yeah, I mean, that's why we published it. Or we published a book where we compiled all those answers. So, like, just you can pick it up and... Like Joe Lubin in 2016 said that Ethereum is uh, it's an application platform that everybody can trust. And you don't need to be high level to understand that. And that's kind of what we're going for. We're trying to take a, a high level messaging and dilute it down to something that the everyday person can understand it from. So I, I think that's yeah. good. Yeah, well, definitely. Eric, thank you for swinging by, man. The floor is yours to plug away. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I guess I would say, you know, if people want to follow me, um, I'm pretty active on Twitter at EconOAR. That's E-C-O-N-O-A-R. Um, but more importantly, we're building out ETHUB, which is what, uh, an open source information hub for Ethereum. So we have a lot of documentation. If you want to learn about Ethereum and kind of where it's headed, you can go there. We've got a ton of pages for you to learn about. It's completely free. Uh, we also have a podcast called Into the Ether. And then we have a ETHUB weekly newsletter as well that goes out and that's on uh, ethub.substack.io so and eric we have a podcast on our network called a dose of ether and they are your little brother so please reach out and maybe we can scratch each other's backs and leverage each other anytime nice absolutely yeah i'm always down anybody that's putting out good ethereum content i'm always down to talk to and help out so that's great always thanks and we're back Shortly before the interview, Cello said crypto needs more masculinity. I just want to say personally, I think there could be alphas without it having to be masculine. 
I'm just going to throw that out there. Well, dancing but, on stage to unicorns is not, there's no masculinity anywhere. There. <laughs> I All think right. that. I don't think you liked that cello or D because it was, uh, what, appropriating your culture? Is that what it was? That those guys going up there and I don't even know what that was, but it littered Twitter and it was Vitalik rapping with this other guy rapping about some Ethereum software. And it was terrible dancing in the background. And I was like, okay, so we're just going to appropriate culture because that's what's cool to do. And they must be so into their build community that they don't realize that this is a very bad look for a lot of people. (laughs) So that was annoying to me. I was like, who signed off on this? I I thought it was funny. You remember when yeah. we interviewed Boozy and downstairs there was those people dressed up like purple horses and we thought yeah. it was weird? That's the way we should think. But if you get a bunch of those people in a room <laughs> and no one outside of that community, then they think it's normal. And they need a reality self-check every now and then. And dancing yeah. to unicorns and Vitalik rapping. Yeah. If McAfee was in that room, he would have shut all of that down. Just letting y'all know. <laughs> Well, what if, masculinity, if, if masculinity was truly toxic, then kids growing up without dads would presumably be better off than those who have them. But, but there is not. masculinity. It's just like, that's not, I'd say a good portion of the leaders of Ethereum are not super masculine dudes. But like, so what? They're super smart just, and, they're, and, so and, and they truly care about what they're doing. So At DEF CON, Vitalik's dad crushed everybody's hands. Every time he shook his hand, they were just, ow, oh, my wrist. They, they don't know. <laughs> it's just, we need, why can't one why of the leaders just go to the gym? Why I don't do understand. What's the point? Like, what, what's, the, what's the need? I'm Inclusion? just glad we don't have an enormously popular show or we would be getting raked over the coals right now for this conversation. I'm masculine. I'm a masculine dude. I'm in the, I'm in the community. Yeah. I'm yeah. Masculine. You, you I, wouldn't have I been on stage. Chest. I think you would have. I think you would have exited stage left. Once I would the say. Started. I would say the other dude rapping on stage wasn't terrible. <laughs> I didn't no, actually see the video. It was awful. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. All of it was terrible. Vitalik Do remember- doesn't understand what rhythm is. The other guy was rapping, but it was like if you were rapping for an episode of Barney. You know, and dude, they're trying to include what's going on and like protocol level Ethereum. You can't make that cool. Yeah, you don't. You don't rap about that. You okay. don't. You okay, don't. I'll give you that. <laughs> we can come. We can come to an agreement on that one. <laughs> you, you, there's just something you don't rap about. So, um, anyway, like, you've heard nerdcore, right? What's nerdcore? It's uh, basically a whole genre of music that raps about stuff like that. Oh. Huh. Interesting. I can just see y'all's faces hurting. No, is it? <laughs> there was this nerdy rap that I used to listen to, honestly. But he used to rap about like Transformers and Voltron and shit. And I was like, oh, he's just rapping about stuff. Like MC Chris, man. MC Chris, yeah. And so I get like that. That's more when you're I want rapping about like EIP one thousand twenty two. What? Is it gonna do? I'm like, oh my god, dude, stop! All stop, right, too short. Stop. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> if even we need, that's what we need. We need E40 to start rapping about Ethereum. So what we yeah. so like, I'd say we Ooh. did it best with our our old Yapi intro. 
yeah. <laughs> R&B nerd, nerd R&B. Like, I, I want there to be good crypto-related hip-hop. I might bring that intro back in. But, but I, it's going to be real hard. Like we had a little bit when we had, uh, who, who are those two dudes we had on that were, that were rappers? Oh, the cool kids. The cool the kids. Cool kids. He, at the end of that episode, he freestyled for us, and that shit was good. That was yeah. That was the best I had yeah, ever heard. Gonna, probably, if you're gonna rap about crypto, be a rapper. That would be. <laughs> that would be the. That would be the first step. Like, all right, little Boosie. What was that other one that just basically said Bitcoin like forty five times in a row, and then yeah. it was the end of the song. Bitcoin yeah. butter, Bitcoin stamps, baby, Bitcoin barbecue. Like that's dogs, not baby. that's not rap. That's not hip hop. That's garbage. <laughs> Uh, like you, every you Bitcoin need a, song you, that's been out is just pure garbage. You need a you need an alpha because if Vitalik is rapping, nobody's going to be like that was garbage. Vitalik, everyone's going to be like that was great because you pay us. That was awesome. You need someone who's going to be on stage and be like, no, that's not okay. Just don't do that anymore. Hmm. That's called societal like regulation. Games? You got so many PlayStation games over there. Uh, uh, I was unemployed for a while, man. Damn, your collection is nice. Oh no, those are those are a lot of those are Blu-rays. Those aren't all PlayStation games. Oh, okay. I was about to say, damn. Sorry, I got distracted. My oh. priorities are not my family. <laughs> <laughs> Record collection, PlayStation games. I was like, damn. Um, yeah. uh, but other, I think. I think crypto's finally getting turning the corner sentiment wise to the positive in general. Uh, one, obviously, like uh, our announcements have picked up. Two, uh, the people, the Slack is is buzzing. Twitter's buzzing. Got a sponsor, son. Uh, Cypher Core, yo. So it seems like the things that we kind of softly measure to to control sentiment, at least to control our sanity, uh, are turning the corner. Which is good because that bear market was very, very. Oh, and I, yeah, and I do want to highlight. I'm going to get into the mic with this, Mary. You joined Slack yesterday on a cool Friday. I'd like for you to participate more, so we can hear you. Please come back, Mary. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Every oh. time a female joins the Slack, I would like to encourage you to use your voice more. Because I would like yeah. to hear different perspectives. Oh, your username is literally Mary. Get on off the wall. Come Join back, us. Mary. Come back, Mary. Get on the dance floor. Um, <laughs> Get your back off the wall, Mary. <laughs> Why do we have to be 60s R&B artists to, to talk to Mary? We're ridiculous. Um, I want I want more of the lurkers to come out because I feel like when the lurkers come out, like it gets pretty interesting in the podcast, like or in the Slack, right? Yeah, oh, we've okay. had people come out and they like contribute like great stuff. They're like, "Where have you been?" Like I've been here the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Corey, no, no, you haven't? Like no, I, I read everything. I just don't talk <laughs> ever. I'm always here. I'm actually making a lot of memes about everything that goes on, just in the background, though. You never know. Uh, Corey, Corey was like, if we had sponsorships, would you listen? And this dude was like, I'd listen. And then I'm like, Where, who are you? And then, like, never heard from him again. <laughs> um, the, Wayne made you eat your words, Corey. Last week, you said people shouldn't be getting overly jubilant about 3% increases. And then Wayne was like, he posted a picture, and Bitcoin's been up 37%. In 90 days. I don't care. 
What do you mean you don't care? That's I, a big dude, jump, man. It, we're talking about we went from twenty something thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars to four or down yeah. to two yeah. and a half or three, whatever the hell it went down to. That's not thirty percent. You gotta have a short memory, bro, because some people buy yeah, in at that's that cool. That's a great gain, but that's a lot of fucking loss, and we can't be saying like, "Oh shit, it's happening." When we were at twenty thousand dollars, and when it jumps from three to four, <laughs> well, it's got, fucking happening you, again. No, that's your, not the case. You gotta put the shoe on the other foot, as the old man Rivers used to say. Okay, put the the person who got in three months ago, which is people we know. Are like, yeah, I put in a hundred dollars, I have 130. This is the future. Like, <laughs> we gotta put ourselves in those shoes because those people keep coming. And we made the mistake of ignoring those people too many times over the years. They're coming every day. I agree. There's one of those people that's like, yeah. I finally took the Bitcoin lunge, got some Bitcoin on my cash app. And then they look in and they're like, I only bought five dollars and it's worth seven. Holy shit! Like, yeah, if Bitcoin was fifteen grand right now, I wouldn't be any more excited than I am right now. I'm, I'm more of an all-time high guy, yeah. but I get what you're saying. But anyways, we got to wrap. Ether's back up at you know fifteen hundred. Talk to me then. When Ether's yeah. at fifteen hundred, I think I might just go buy a boat. That's what I think I'm gonna do. <laughs> anyway, yeah. podcast gonna change uh, real, real, real strongly when it's back up. Yeah. Gonna. What's, what's up this week today, guys? I don't know. I sold everything. I forgot what happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been di- I've been dipping things in gold lately. Just this new hobby. <laughs> new hobby I have. Uh, <laughs> I own 300 PlayStation 2 games because of crypto. <laughs> I own 300 PlayStation 2s because why not? <laughs> You're still on my gamer tag, and it was like last scene. Uh, like, they don't know. Like, they can't calculate that <laughs> they many can't, days. They can't find <laughs> So, as a side note, because we're wrapping up here. I went through a plethora of gamer gamer tags through my college career. Um, it started out with Petty Ho, and someone reported it. Petty Ho was my high school nickname, not because I was a hoe, but because of just weird <laughs> soccer. Soccer guys are weird. Uh, and then that was my gamer tag for a long time. And then someone reported it, and so because they reported it, I changed it to Petty File. That didn't last very long. That's that worse. didn't go over well. That that one. Was <laughs> That's bad. worse than the first one. But it's so creative, was... right? You have to appreciate the creativity there. <laughs> it's so creative. Like I'm really into Tom Petty. I'm a petty file. Yeah, like no, it's just like that's a creative name. I, can you? Is it not? No, it's clever. It, it, it's just it worse creative. than the first one. <laughs> I, was, I was crying. It was one of those moments when, like, I walked out of my bedroom and you were like, "Look at my new gamer tag, petty file," and I just like. Shook my head and walked back into my room. <laughs> Check this out. Um, anyway, so, so uh, let's wrap. Yeah, that's a long time ago. Let's wrap. Uh, yeah, we do a lot of stuff, guys. So subscribe to the main feed. So if you search on any podcast app, Spotify, whatever, you're going to find us, the Bitcoin podcast. And then listen to all the shows. We got a bunch of shows and it's about a bunch of different things. And if you don't like one of them, don't listen to that show. Because the yeah. other shows are different. Yep. It's that simple. It's a one-stop shop here uh, on the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's the Wawa of crypto podcasting. So, um, we're at Twitter. At Twitter. The BTC Podcast. And then yep. if you follow that, you're going to follow all of us because we interact with that consistently. 
go to the website, thebitcoinpodcast.com. And then on the dashboard, you'll find two buttons that you need to click on and, and interact with. First of them being the Slack. That means you get to join the community of people who interact with us. Uh, we have conversations about all kinds of things, whether it be crypto or, I don't know, politics, UBI, conspiracy theories, all the different things going on with like decentralized finance. Like it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of interesting things. If you like something, it's probably there for you. Yep. The other button you need to click is the donate button, which sends you to a web app that gives you a bunch of different crypto addresses that you can donate to if you're into various coins and it's not there, send me an email and I will add it so you can give me money. And then hey, can book. we build uh, something into that where when it triggers, it, we get like a little confetti pop in the Slack of somebody just donated or it like sends a message to the Slack? There's I could probably figure something, something out like that. I think we're out of Bye. integrations because we use the free Slack because we're cheap because there's over there's 650 members in the Slack and I'm not paying for all them fools. Nope. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, everyone um, donates 50 cents. We won't shut the Slack down. No, we got the if this and that integration. So if we build a spreadsheet somewhere, then we can pull from the spreadsheet into the Slack. I'll figure it out. All right, buyer. Buy. Um, I don't, I don't, Excel's Excel spreadsheets are not the answer to everything, Dave. No, Google Sheets are the other half of that answer, baby. So no. Excel is a powerful you're tool. Such a, you're such a biz dev guy and your fucking spreadsheets. Excel is a powerful tool. Yeah, That's so is a generalized programming language. No. You know how everything else is built except for doing, you know, business finance? No. Excel. Um that's it, guys. Thank you for another week of listening to the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Uh, the Crypto Bully Show is taking off. If you guys are really loving that, then you should go follow him on Twitter. Uh, hashing it out, just taking it off. We're, we have all these other shows that we do, and it's, it's, it's looking really, really beautiful. Oh, recast our shit. If you're listening on your computer and you got the little player on there, you can, if a clip makes you laugh until you cry, please take that clip and share it on the internet. We'll love you for it. In fact, also, once again, thanks again for CypherCore for sponsoring the episode. Yep. I looked at their website, and it was right in the middle of the website that I, for some reason, didn't see when I was doing the original show. I got IrisNet, Cosmos, Origin Trail, Harmony, Obise Go, and LivePeer. So you can, you can, you can stake with CypherCore on those networks. They're, they run validators for all of them. Check them out in their, uh, in, their, in their Telegram. There's a button right underneath the bottom of the page that says, Join Our Community. They answer all the questions. Thanks, Ken. We appreciate it. Very and Mary, if you're hearing this, come back to us. That's right. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Zoe Saldana, Zati Beats, and Carla Lewis. And Mary. And Mary. <laughs> that was Way... some creepy bastards. <laughs> A little bit. Play <laughs> the house for <laughs>